If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, the song that Terry sung was just so appropriate. He lives. He lives. Because 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 is a defense of the gospel. The whole chapter, uh, the resurrection part of the gospel. Um, but I'm going to throw you a curveball before we go there. Um, one of my uh, greatest teaching tools in preaching uh, is my wife. Um, I'm going to use Ed Collins again because I do, and I know Ed won't get mad at me. He can't, even if he wanted to. You know how Ed is. Um, you know, Ed will go out of the service and he'll say, man, that was a good sermon. That's the best sermon I've ever heard. And, well, you know, that's Ed Collins. He's a, he's a Barnabas. He's an encourager. But now Shane's a little tougher. And when I don't get it right, she'll let me know. And sometimes that's the truth. When Shane says that was a good sermon, man, that's a good sermon because she don't tell me that lightly. Well, we got home last Sunday night. You know, I'd, we'd been going through 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, which is a very, very difficult chapter uh, in the Bible. Of course, <laughs> the whole book of 1 Corinthians uh, is a difficult book uh, to stand before the people of God and, and, and preach. You've got to deal with some tough issues in 1 Corinthians, and we know we went through it. You know, the title of the overarching theme uh, of this book has been the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, and we're still dealing with the same problems today as they were dealing uh, with right there in first century Corinth. I mean, people argue and fight and get mad at each other and take sides and say, well, I'm a follower of this person, I'm a follower of that person. Sexual immorality, it's rampant inside and outside the church, and God condemns it just as much today as he did uh, there in Corinth in the, in the first century church. And, you know, then uh, people, you know, just depending on the wisdom of men instead of the simple. Are they ghosts? No, there ain't no such thing as ghosts. Uh, People depending on the wisdom of philosophy uh, more. And, and listen, I, I, I like to, to hear good philosophers. I'm, I'm telling you now, I love to sit and listen to somebody that's intelligent, that can philosophize. But I understand that the wisdom of God makes foolish the best philosophy that men and their minds can come up with. But Paul had to deal with that. Well, we're dealing with that today. Good gracious, all over, people wanting to push God aside and say, you know, I know a better way. I, I, I've got this thing all worked out. I mean, some kind of scientific theory until it's proved wrong, right? Amen. And they come up with another one. I mean, Paul was dealing that right there in first century Corinth. Well, you know, and he goes on and he uh, talks about the gifts. And, you know, the gifts are a great thing, but not if we misuse them. And in chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul uh, was, was uh, talking about those gifts and all the different gifts. And, and, and you know, uh, 
how we're to discover our gifts and then we're to develop our gifts and we're to deploy our uh, gifts and, and you know that we're to get along while we're doing that realizing that we're one body in Christ many believers we're diverse and all of us have different abilities and talents and opinions and all of that but God brings all of that together in one body to perform one mission for the glory of one God and we're functioning under the power of one spirit and I say uh, praise his name for that well then you get to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and he's closing out that uh, discussion of gifts you know 12 he's talking them. then 14 he's talking about gifts and right there smack in the middle of that thing's the love chapter chapter number 13 and what what's Paul telling us there well gifts are good and they can be used for amazing things but what ought to be the center the foundation right smack in the middle of all of the use of the gifts the edification of the body of Christ is your love one for another and he describes what that is well you get to the end of chapter number 14 there and uh, there's a little passage there of Paul when he's speaking about prophesying in the church that's uh, difficult for us to understand and, and, and I did the, the best job I could of explaining to you what that means within the context of the passage of scripture that Paul was talking about. So I'm going to read it and then we'll get to 1 Corinthians 15 and we'll see how far we get into the message tonight but um, I want to go back and and just talk to you about this for a minute as I try to clear it up in my mind and hopefully clear it up in yours. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, as in all the churches of the saints, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Well, one of the things that I told you last week is God's word is true. God's word is true for all time. God's words never change. God, uh, he said, I am God and I change not. So regardless of the cultural context that we live in uh, today, uh, you know, God's word is right. And if we have a different opinion, then we're wrong and need to change our opinion to match God's word. But it's not always easy to understand exactly what he's talking about. So, the context of this, well, there was prophets in the church because people had been given the gift of prophecy because they did not have a completed canon of Scripture. Um, so, God would gift people and give them revelations about truth, teaching of Scripture. And I told you all this last week, but I'm going over it getting somewhere. Um, and... So these prophets would stand up. Paul said by two or three. Uh, so, you know, you couldn't have a whole gaggle of people standing up. You couldn't have a bunch of people standing up at once trying to talk over each other. Because remember the principle of edification were to build up others. So if Kevin's talking, even if I think it's my... I told Kevin this morning, I said, man, it about kills me letting somebody get up and preach this morning. You may not get to. I'm, I can't hardly stand it. Uh, he did a good job, by the way. Praise the Lord. That was an amazing message. Um, but if Kevin's speaking, then I need to sit down and keep my mouth quiet and let him finish speaking because he's my brother. And if he's got something to say that needs to be said, I don't need to be trying to talk over him in the public worship setting of the church. So Kevin stands up and he gives a word of prophecy and maybe another one then, when he's done, stands up over here. But then Paul says that, uh, 
Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. So what was taking place here is the prophet would stand up and speak. Now remember, they did not have a completed canon of Scripture. There was new things happening that, that you know, were being revealed to those first century Christians. So they would stand up and they would speak a word of prophecy, a new revelation. And then the other prophets, people had been given the gift of prophecy, would stand up and, uh, and judge whether or not that was a true word of prophecy. Well, you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, uh, Paul said, um, talking about a man, uh, you know, not praying or prophesying with his head covered in the church. And I talked about and made a joke about how I admire Brandon for getting on people for wearing hats in church. Well, he bases that on that scripture that, a man is not to pray or prophesy with his head covered uh, in, a, in a public worship setting, but a woman is not to pray or prophesy with her head uncovered in a public worship setting, but God says that he gives a woman a hair for, uh, for that covering. The Word says that. Paul says that right there in that passage of Scripture. So a woman can prophesy in church, and a woman can pray in church. Paul's very clear of that. 1 Corinthians 11, you can go back and read it. I believe it's verse number 12. Let's just go back and read it so you won't think I'm telling you something. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, uh, verse number 5. He's go talking about praying and prophesying. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, uh, dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Uh, so, Paul makes it very clear that a woman can both pray and prophesy. Meaning at this time, be given the gift of a prophetic word, a new revelation spoken by God to the people of God in the public worship and assembly of those people of God. So that's clear. Paul lays that out. So when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let your women keep silence in the churches, well, remember that if there's a seeming contradiction in the word of God, then we must let Scripture interpret Scripture. Now, I went back and I've done a word study on that, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that Greek word because uh, I'm no Greek scholar. But I am smart enough to take one of those things where it has a Greek word and the English equivalent in the Bible, and it tells you the original meaning and the different places that it's used in the Bible. And the word that's translated silent there uh, is a, a word in the Greek. Remember, it's a much more descriptive word that uh, carries with it the idea of you keep uh, silent about a certain matter or in a certain context. I'll tell you, in the Greek Old Testament, a place that this word was used was when the, uh, when the Jewish people were trapped there by the Red Sea and, and God said, just stand by here and you're going to see me do amazing things. And it says they kept silent about the matter. It used this word. Well, do you think that means three million Israelites didn't say a word while they was waiting on God? No, they just didn't talk about that certain thing in that certain context because they was waiting on God to act. Well, another place that it's used is over there uh, uh, at the, after the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, where they had, Jesus was up there and they saw him and he appeared with uh, Moses and Elijah. I mean, this great miracle took place and they come down and it said that they kept silent about what they had saw upon the Mount 
of transfiguration. Well, do you think that means that the apostles that went up there just didn't speak until, you know, I guess the, maybe the day of Pentecost and when Peter got up to preach? No, it meant that they kept silent about that certain matter in that certain context. Well, that's the same word that Paul uses here. It's not a word that means absolute silence, but a word that means to hold your peace about a certain matter in a certain context. I didn't do as good a job probably last week as explaining that uh, as I could. But then, what is the remedy for that? Because not every person who stands up and speaks in the house of God is speaking what thus saith the Lord. Well, why would you need a judge if that were the case? So apparently there could be somebody stand up who would say something that was not a word of prophecy, whether it would be by evil intent or just simple ignorance or a mistake. So apparently that could take place, so people would have to judge what that person um, was saying. So women, men, both could do that, talking about within the context. And I talked about how, how if... Uh, when Paul was writing this, how if you know you had a husband or a wife, perhaps both of them were given the gift of prophecy, and they said two different things that disagreed, how that would cause disorder in the church, and it's all about order, and God has an order, and this is not popular today, but it's true, God does have an order, and His order in the church is God, Jesus, man, woman. That's the order. I didn't lay that out. That's the way the order God laid out. That's an authority. Uh, issue, but it's not just an authority issue. It's a, it's an issue of just that's how God created things. Well, same as in the home, it's God, husband, wife, and that's not an, of importance or value. It's just God's order. I can tell you this: I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, you know, uh, a private's just as valuable as a general. Uh, you know, when you're going into battle. But I'm going to tell you what, you don't want your privates out shouting orders to everybody because you'd be getting 50 million orders that might conflict with each other. I mean, you want one person that's in charge so that there can be some order in that uh, conflict. Well, that's God knows that. He created the universe of order, so he does that. So I explained all of that. And then Paul goes on and says, okay, to, so there won't be conflict. We're going to do, uh, I'm going to set this in the context of People prophesying, so a woman's not to stand up and judge what a, another person may prophesy in the house of God. And it said, if they will learn anything, in verse 35, I'm not even going to get to my message tonight, good gracious. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now remember, that's in the context of judging uh, what another prophet may have said, getting out of God's order. He's created order for the universe, for the church, and for the home. Well, here's where Shane comes in. Because we get home and she said, Well, Keith, we got widows sitting in the church. What about them? And I thought, hmm, that's a pretty good question. What about women that are unmarried? Hmm, that's a pretty good question. Now begin to think about that thing. Because you know it says in here, ask her husband, well what if they don't have a husband? Now basically that's what she's saying. How are they, because they're just as valuable, a woman is just as valuable as a man, to have their questions answered. Uh, 
Well, I didn't want to leave that hanging just because it might make me look dumb to have to stand up in front of you because that is a, that is a valid question that must be answered uh, in some way. So I went through Scripture. I went through Scripture. And I went through Scripture. I couldn't find any Scriptures that addressed that specific issue. So now I'm in a conundrum. See, I could stand up before you and just say something and, you know, say, hey, God said this, you know, but that wouldn't be right, would it? Because I'm not to declare unto you what thus saith Keith. I'm to declare unto you what thus saith the Lord. I will say this, though. You turn over to Timothy and God says to the, Paul writes to Timothy and he said, I'm going to teach you some things, Timothy, and you're to pass these things along to faithful men who will then pass these along to others. And he's talking about the, the pastors and the elders and the leaders and what we would call today probably deacons uh, in, in the church, though we've, we've grossly just misrepresented the, the term deacon in the modern church. But uh, he sets up people in the church to be overseers. The Bible uses that word. Bishops, the Bible uses that word. Uh, elders, shepherds, pastors, uh, administrators in the church. And those people that Paul told Timothy to, to, to pass along to those faithful men who can then pass those truths on to other people. Well, who are those other people? Well, I'm not going to say this as of thus saith the Lord, but I believe it's very possible that those other people are those women who may have questions that are not married. That could go to those people. So God has raised up an Ed Collins in the church who I know studies the Bible and, and, and knows the Word and, and is a praying man and, and to the best of his ability, not without mistakes, just like I'm not without mistakes, but tries to lead his family and this church shows him confidence. I mean, I know this, every time we have a vote for deacon, you might as well don't even have to count them ballots. Ed's going to get right there way up and above everybody else. Why? Because God has placed him in that position in the house of God through his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I were an unmarried person or a single person and there was a conflict about Scripture, so say I get up in front of you and I'm teaching and I'm preaching and I say something and you're just like, that just don't sound right. I, I believe that's his opinion and, and that's not really what the, what the Bible says. See, you're not to come to me and chew me out in front of people uh, or, or, you know, go around and get a grip. I'd say go to somebody like Ed and, you know, where it says ask your husband at home. Well, if you don't have a husband or if you're single, I'd probably go to, to Ed Collins and say something like, you know, Ed, I got some questions about what that preacher was up there, up there saying while he was doing it. Or, or, you know, somebody else that God has raised up as an elder, a leader in, in the church. Um, so I believe to some extent that answers that question that uh, there's an order and God whether it's exactly right or exactly wrong every year here at Zion Baptist Church we have a, have a, a nomination process and, and people's names are nominated and, and um, then those names are voted on by the people of God and those people that are voted on as leaders of the church by the people of God, I believe they are the people that God would want us to, who has passed on this knowledge of the word. So if there's a question now, then the next question she asked, and I've done jumped ahead, was how in the world does that apply in the modern day context 
right? Because they were talking about words of prophecy. Well, we don't, we've got the word today. So a lot of the issues that they dealt with are not even issues today. I mean, it's pretty easy to check the preacher or the person who stands up and speaks in the house of God. You should have enough biblical knowledge to know at least uh, somewhat. Now, I ought to be able to stretch you and, and, and to lead you, but uh, to exhort you and to, to challenge you to go beyond what you think you're capable of in, in service and love and exhortation and Christian maturity and Christian growth. But you ought to know enough to where you know whether, I, whether or not what I'm saying is true. But if there is a question, I believe in the modern day context, that's what it's talking about. When a person gets up, you know I've told you this, uh, I'm a, I don't believe there's such thing as a prophet today as there was when Paul was writing this book. I believe prophets are one of those gifts that ceased. God doesn't give anyone a new revelation today. So I'm not going to speak to you or say anything to you that's not already been revealed through this book. It's a completed canon of scripture that God completed. And you say, well, Keith, where do you get that from? Well, in the book of Revelation, right there at the very end, it said if anybody adds to the prophecy of this book, well, I'm going to add to him the plagues that are found written in this book. And anybody takes away the prophecy, I'm going to take away that person's name from the book of life. So God's not going to give anything new to me. What's available to me is also available to you. So you've got that ability to, uh, to check whatever is preached or, or taught. Now that doesn't mean that if somebody gets up and makes a mistake, we ought to jump all over them and say, uh, you know, you're trying to ruin the people of God. Well, first, you know, ask yourself, well, did he just, did that person just misspeak or, you know, say something wrong or, or something like that? Or, you know, are they really uh, uh, an attempt to mislead the, the people of God? But if there is, then God has established, I believe, the modern context of those judges uh, through the leadership that's elected in the house of God to lead the people of God. Uh, that doesn't mean or matter what you may personally feel about that person. I was telling, I believe it was Brandon, I'm not 100% sure if I'm remembering that correctly, but I was telling somebody about it uh, the other day about a story. And of course, most of you know that I like to read, and I like to read just all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think it gives you a better biblical perspective to be able to make the Word of God come alive to people because, you know, you all have your individual experiences. And I was telling him about the Jewish Talmud. Uh, and basically what that is, it's the... You know, you've got the, the Old Testament of the Bible, but then to the Jewish people, and I don't believe this, I'm just telling you that it is, uh, the Jewish people have what's called the oral history or the teaching history. And basically it's all the teachings of the rabbis and the great religious leaders throughout history who have wrote about the Old Testament. And they have elevated that uh, to, the, uh, to the authority of Scripture. Kind of like the Catholic Church, you know, says the teachings of the Pope are the same on the same level as as scripture. Well, that's not true. Uh, you've got scripture, and then you've got what I say, which is way, way, way down here. And no other person's, what they think about scripture is equal to scripture. Well, uh, in the Talmud, there's a story told about uh, there's seven Jewish prophets. Uh, and uh, 
they gather together and they got to make a decision about the local synagogue. And it's about a, on a, a doctrinal matters. You know, they take a vote. And it's six against one. And uh, the one stands up and says, Nah, I, I'm right. And, and let me explain to you why I'm right about this matter. Now, this is a, a story that's told in the Jewish Talmud. It's like a, to teach a lesson. And the other six listen to him. And he makes his defense. And after making his defense, the six who voted one way says to the one who voted another, nah, we don't agree with you. We're still going to keep our vote the same. And here's what he said. Uh, now, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. It's, it's in the Talmud. It's not a true story, but it's a true writing that's in the Jewish uh, literature that the fellow said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. If I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to ask God to let the sun go dim. And the sun went dim. And after the sun went dim, the six said, nah, we still don't believe you're right. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to say this. If I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to ask God to let the Jordan River flow red. And the Jordan River flowed red. And after the Jordan River flowed red, the six said, no, we still don't believe you. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask for a real big miracle now. If I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to ask for the sun to go backwards in time. And the sun went backwards and time went the opposite direction. And after that, the six said, nope. We still don't. We keep our votes the same. And God spoke and he said, my children have fought against me and prevailed. And I am satisfied. What's the moral of that story? That you, unity, unity and order in the house of God trumps everything. Because God says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We're one people under one God, saved by the same Spirit, under one baptism. And if there's two heads of a house, two heads of a church, two heads of a nation, good gracious, we've seen that. We've got, what, about 5,000 heads of the nation right now. It brings chaos. And that the people of God, I believe this is the whole thing of 1 Corinthians 14 that he sums up and I'm not going to get to 15 so when I'm done I'll just be done we'll go right is that we live in a world of chaos 
is er in die bak bij het benadeel. En de one place that there ought to be order and unity and peace is the church of God who's functioning as one body under one spirit of God. So, I'll be honest with you. I've met, well, let me just say this. Me and Shane watched this movie yesterday. And you ought to watch this movie because when that thing started, I was like, oh my good gracious, Shane talked me into watching this crazy, it's called The Iron Lady. And Shane knows Margaret Thatcher is one of my heroes. Uh, Margaret Thatcher is an amazing woman who brought Britain back from the brink of destruction with conservative principles that just, man. And she went down there when nobody said she could, and she, her armies whooped them off the Falkland Islands. And uh, most of you in here are probably old enough to remember that. Uh, even at that young age, I, I knew what an amazing lady Margaret Thatcher was. Probably a better leader than maybe any man that's ever served in political office in the history. I don't know. I mean, the woman was an amazing leader. And I would have voted for her for prime minister if I'd had the chance. But according to God's word, if she was sitting in the house of God and somebody said something that she wasn't in agreement with, this powerful woman who was one of the leaders of the free world, who along with Ronald Reagan brought down the Soviet Empire, would have had to keep silent and go home and ask her husband before she could speak up in the house of God. Now, I don't understand that because she was a brilliant lady. But God doesn't ask me to understand everything about his word. He just says, do it my way, and I'll tell you what my way is. And if you do it my way, you'll have order in the midst of chaos, and the world will see it, and it'll make a difference in people's lives. There, 1 Corinthians 15, we won't get there tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, I thank you that... Uh, Lord, I serve amongst the people that uh, gives me the grace to go back and clear things up when I don't quite get it right. Uh, Lord, I'm well aware that some of those passages in your word are difficult to understand. Lord, far greater men than me, Peter said, Paul's wrote things that I just are tough to understand. So Lord, uh, I thank you that uh, you give us clarity about what your word is telling us. But Lord, I also ask that you give us the conviction that even when we don't quite understand the reasoning behind it, that Father, we simply trust that your word is true and as we're obedient, it always works out for the best. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to see that all of this here in 1 Corinthians, the whole book really, is God to get those Corinthian believers and us through them to see that, Lord, unity and peace 
and order in the house of God really does matter. It's not about my way and uh, Lord or what I want or Lord as it don't pertain to those clear central doctrinal teachings. My way is to give way to others. And uh, Father your word clearly communicates that to us. So Lord help us to understand that and uh, know that and to realize that men and women are of equal value. It took the same blood to save me as it did any woman. It took the same blood to save her as it does any man. And it's the same salvation that they both received. And we're equal before you, even though you've given us different roles. Help us to see that and accept it, embrace it in a world that's trying to kick against you. And Father, we'll praise you and thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.